Well, as we uh, enter in into the darkness, we'll be putting the lights on when we have the Easter acclamation after the baptism. This was the day after three years of training that the early Christians baptized in the dark uh, by candlelight on Easter morning. Those who had gone through this long three-year training, they'd come in for the first part of the liturgy on Sundays and then gone out before the Holy Mysteries of the Eucharist for their training. And on this night, they would have been brought into a separate room, into a baptistry with a full uh, font uh, in which they were immersed and around glittering in the candlelight would be mosaics and frescoes that told the whole of God's story and of our salvation story. Some of those readings that we read this morning. There are many more that we could have read, uh, but uh, we've collapsed it down. They would have been taught the story of creation and Adam and Eve's early disobedience and sin, and the sin that had been to turn away from the one true God, to turn away from their vocation to be God's image bearers into the world and to then to gather up all of the praises and worship of all of creation and give that worship to God. They had turned from that in disobedience. They would have heard that story. And because of that, each of us also fall short of the mark, because that's what sin is. It's not making the mark that we were given to make. And so we all fall short. But they would also have been taught that throughout that, there's a promise of God made to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. They would have been taught about God's rescue of his people from slavery in Egypt as the angel of death passed over the doors, daubed with the blood of the Passover lamb, an unblemished lamb that was killed and whose blood was daubed over the doorposts. And the angel of death passed over the Israelites and the subsequent passing through the Red Sea waters to freedom on the other side. They would have learned about God's covenant with his people, that he would be their God, and that they would be his people, about his presence in the fire and the cloud as they journeyed through the desert to the promised land, about his presence on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, first in the desert tabernacle and then in the temple in Jerusalem, about the failure of Israel's descendants, Israel, to turn from idols and to follow God alone, and their exile in Babylon as a consequence of their idolatry and disobedience and shot through the whole story they would have heard of God's promise through the prophets to finally 
bring all his people out of the exile brought about by sin and death and to return to be with his people in person that God promised that he would come and be with his people and to overcome the dark powers of the world and to bring in his kingdom rule, the rule of love, into the world and the promise to put his own spirit within his people. They would have been told of God's promise through the prophet Ezekiel that we just heard. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. I will put my spirit within you. And they would have been taught as we have that all of God's promises became a yes through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. For he was the seed of Abraham, the one faithful, sinless Israelite through whom God promised that all of the nations of the world would be blessed. For he is the true Passover Lamb, the one sinless Lamb of God, through whose blood he we are rescued from eternal death. And he brought us through the waters of baptism to eternal life. God has come to dwell with his people as he promised. As John says in the prologue to his gospel, the word, the son of God, Jesus, tabernacled amongst us. As God was present in the tabernacle and the temple, so now he tabernacled, he was present in Jesus who is very God and yet very man, Emmanuel. God with us, the one who saves us from our sins. By six o'clock on the evening of Good Friday, Jesus had won the victory over the dark powers that had sought to destroy him and us by taking on our sin upon himself. He robbed all of the dark powers of the world, all of evil. He robbed it of its power to hold us captive. As N.T. Wright has said, forgiveness isn't weakness. It was and is great strength. The strength of Jesus on the cross to bring about our forgiveness. The victory happened on Friday, but it's this morning. It's Easter morning when the world recognized that it had been accomplished, that heaven had come to earth under the true kingship 
of Jesus, the empty tomb and the risen Jesus in a new physicality provided proof that evil, sin, death, and exile from God had been dealt a death blow. New creation had entered in under the true kingship of Jesus Christ our Lord. But the victory comes in two parts. It was inaugurated with the death and resurrection of Jesus and it will be completed at his coming again, at his return at the end of the age. But through baptism, we share in the power of his death and resurrection. With the forgiveness of sins, exile from God's presence is reversed. Indeed, we become the temple of the living God. God now tabernacles in us. Jesus said, unless a seed dies, it is just one seed. But when it dies, it multiplies out. That is what has happened with his death. Because each baptism into the death and resurrection of Jesus is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not just do we receive eternal life, not just do we receive forgiveness of sins, but we receive his Holy Spirit. Heaven's dimension comes into earth's dimension. Forgiveness is at the heart of the work of the cross and central to the new creation life that we are being called into, to the life that we, ordinary, every one of us, ordinary, fallen, and yet redeemed humans, are invited to share with those who do not yet know that their jailer, the Satan, has been overthrown. Satan's power has been broken so that forgiveness of sins and new membership in a new family is open to all. The doors are unlocked, but they're still behind the doors, believing that they're locked in. But the jailer's been conquered. And it's up to us to go and say, release is available through the forgiveness of sins. Again, in the words of theologian N.T. Wright, Jesus' followers are to go out into the world equipped with the power of his own spirit to announce that a new reality has come to birth, that its name is forgiveness, that it is to be had by turning away from idolatry, placing anything or anyone above God. Something has happened this morning, clearly, that has unleashed this new kind of power into the world. That something is the chain-breaking, idol-smashing, sin-abandoning power called forgiveness, called utter, gracious love, called Jesus. It is the way new creation is. A new way of being human has been launched, a way that starts with forgiveness. God's forgiveness to those who turn from their now defeated idols and continues with forgiveness, the forgiveness offered by Jesus' followers in his name and by his spirit to all who have wronged them. 
This is what it looks like, sounds like, and feels like when heaven comes to earth, when God's kingdom comes and his will is done in the world of humans as it is in the world of angels. Forgiveness is the new reality. And it is into that new reality that Jennifer will now be baptized. Please come forward.